Hey, this is Eric, and welcome to Control-Alt-Achieve for January 16th, 2023, where we take a look at our EdTech Links of the Week. Well, hey, welcome everybody to Control Alt Achieve Live for January 16th, 2023. Thank you so much. If you are watching live or if you are watching the recording or listening to the recording later, I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, hang out with me here for a bit. As usual, all of the resources for tonight can be found at bit.ly slash CAA dash live. That'll take you to a Google document where if you scroll on down to the second page of that document, that is where you will find all of the resources that we're going to be taking a look at in just a little bit here tonight. All right, let's go ahead and scroll on down to that second page and let's dive into our links for this week. So as normal, I've got some things that I came across on the internet and then some things that I have shared on my blog and we're gonna run through those here together. So let's get started with our first one, which is a website called Talking Points. Let me go ahead and pull this resource up here for us. There we go. So Talking Points, is a free tool. And again, if you know me, <laughs> everything I share is either a free tool or it's it's free with maybe a paid version with some extra things. Uh, this one, from what everything I've been able to tell, it really is free uh, for you to use. It's a free tool that allows teachers and parents to message each other. And they can do that through the website, through the mobile app, or through texting. And what it does is it translates the messages into their preferred language. So uh, I'll go ahead and pull this up and show you what that looks like here. Uh, I have not signed up for the service myself, um, but I've been taking a look at everything they have on here, and it looks like a really, really promising tool. So the idea is, what you would do is, as a teacher, you would sign up here on the site, and then from the site, you would be able to, and I'll pull up the, I'll go ahead and pull up the, uh, let me grab this page here for you. So I got a couple of tabs here. Here's the page that shows the sign up. Nope, that's the page that shows all the languages. Here's the page that shows the sign up. You'd come and you would sign up here and you can just sign up with your Google account. And then once you get signed up, you can then um, either import some contacts or you could just give the parents a code. Um, that's a pretty normal way of doing things. It looks like a six letter code that you would give them. And then the parents could either on the app, there is an app, or through text messaging, they can uh, sign up with that code so they're a part of your class. At that point, the parents can choose their preferred language. Like I mentioned, I believe there's a, a 145. Let me zoom in on this so you can see this a little bit better there. 145 languages they currently support. And so what happens then is you'll come in and you will send a message to the parents. And when you do, like we said, that message is going to get translated into their preferred language. Now, how does the translation work? Well, the way I understand the, the way this functions is that the first the first line of defense is AI. So what it's doing is it is using artificial intelligence to translate that message from the language you put it into the language they have chosen. And hopefully for the most part, 
that would take care of it. Same when they're sending it back to you and they reply back to you, AI will take their response and will translate it for you as well. Having said that though, in, in, the, uh, in the tool, in the app, there is an option to click on a button if you are unsure about the translation. Like, huh, this seems a little odd. I'm, I'm not totally sure about this. And you can either view the original so that's one option. You can say, well, let me see what it was actually in the original before it got translated. Or you can ask for a human to, to translate it for you. And so by clicking on this button that says, hey, I'm not so sure about this, it'll go to the second option, which instead of just being translated through AI, it'll run through a person who will then translate that by hand as well. Um, really, really impressive as a wonderful way to be able to connect with parents, no matter what language is their preferred language. Uh, again, as a teacher, you can use this through the website, you can use it through the mobile app, or you can use it through texting. As a parent, they either would use the mobile app or they would use texting with it. But again, totally free resource. I think that's fantastic. Um, this one I saw I believe, yes, this was from Jennifer Gonzalez. Uh, she had this on her blog. She's one of the many blogs that I follow. So I want to thank Jennifer so much for sharing that. She had put that in a recent blog post that she had put out there. So, so yeah, and Peggy, I agree. That is exciting. Yeah, what a great way to use artificial intelligence to be able to help break down barriers between uh, teachers and the parents that we're trying to connect with. Good stuff. All right, well, let's go ahead and move on to our second link of the week that I came across. And this is one called Story Voice. We'll go ahead and pop this one open here for you. So Story Voice is a free, again, free, love that, interactive live read aloud show where authors and illustrators read, they draw, they connect live to a global listening audience. So if you head to the Story Voice website, what you'll notice is they've got a couple of tabs here. The first are the upcoming shows that they've got. And I'll zoom in on this one a little bit as well, just so we can see it a little bit better there. There we go. And so you can see they've got one coming up this Friday. Then here's one on January 25th, 26th, 27th. And these are the ones that are going to be coming up. And then if you go to the recordings, you can see some of the recent ones that have been done. So they've got four at the moment that have been done recently that are currently still available. Now, they don't stay on the site forever. Um, after the live show is over, the recording will be available on the site for a period of time uh, before they take it back down. So they do want you to, you know, to view it within, within a, a certain amount of time. Um, and then if it's a more recent one, it may not have gotten processed yet. So you can see there's a few more that they are adding on to here. Now they shoot mostly for grades K through five on these. And most of the shows are around 30 minutes. Uh, I've seen, you know, so I clicked on some of these, you'll see this one's 29, 44, 38, 36. So yeah, they're hovering around 30 minutes. In the first part of these videos, I went ahead and jumped through a couple of them to take a look at them. Uh, they, they chat with the author and uh, they'll usually have the author read their book. So they'll have brought a book with them and they'll do that as a read aloud. But then for the second portion of the video, they'll take questions and uh, they'll, you know, uh, answer questions that 
different students have. Uh, they might, if, if they are an author illustrator, they may show how to actually draw one of the pictures that they've got in the book, but it's a really neat interactive way for your students to have live read aloud shows. Now, if you can't join live again, you can always catch the recordings afterwards, but for those that can join live, that's fantastic because you can also submit questions um, as well. So uh, that I was really excited to see. All right, let's keep on moving. So the next thing that I came across here was one called History Maps. Now, this one I saw from a good friend of mine, Ryan Collins. So I'm going to give a thanks to Ryan Collins for sharing this. Came in uh, one of his his weekly emails that he sends out that where he shares resources as well. And so I was glad to see this one. So what is History Maps? So this is a free website that helps illustrate history, the history of the world, by using animated maps, pictures, videos, and detailed explanations. Now, this particular site covers all of history, from ancient history to medieval to early modern period to the late modern period. And as you start scrolling down through here, you'll see it is very, very... Uh, full. There's a lot of topics here. They have covered so, so many. I'm scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling through all of these. Now, let's say we just pick one as an example. We'll just grab like the War of 1812 as an example here. So once you do that, here's where more of that interactive part comes in. So for any one of the topics that you pick, you're now going to have on the left, the interactive map, and on the right, you're going to have the content. So here you're going to find videos, you're going to find pictures, you're going to find text, you're going to find hyperlinks. And as I start scrolling down on the right, once I get to a new section, that's where the map then will zoom me in. Now, of course, I can move this map around and I can zoom in and zoom out and, you know, get closer to it if I want to, but it will automatically jump to a new location every time I scroll down to the next section of this. So this feels a lot like if you think of Google Earth's project uh, tool where you can create your own Google Earth tours. Very similar kind of idea where you're jumping from place to place to place to place on the globe. And with each location you get to, there's content about it. Where in this case, um, instead of the, you know, uh, moving around on the map, you're, you're more scrolling down on the right-hand side through these different topics, and then it is triggering the, the jump to the next location here on the map. Uh, but great stuff. Again, lots of pictures, lots of videos, lots of hyperlinks in there. Anything that can make history more uh, understandable for students, that can put them in the place, I think that is a great benefit. And so again, totally free site here with so, so, so much content. And they're adding more things uh, all the time. If you go up to the uh, little uh, avatar button in the top right, they've got a, a link here for their planned uh, maps that they're going to be creating later on. So uh, awesome. Thanks, Ryan, again, for sharing that out. Oh, see another hello. Eileen saying, greetings from Pennsylvania. Thanks so much for being here. Great to have you here. Excellent. Uh, Cassandra says, this website sounds good to use with middle and high schoolers. I would agree. I think that that's a pretty good match there. When you take a look at the content that we're covering here from ancient history all the way up to, to modern um, and the, the way it's presented, definitely would be fantastic to be able to uh, share this and use this with middle schoolers and high schoolers. 
All right, let's keep on going. Our next link this week is called Bean, Bean, Bean. And now this one uh, comes from another Collins, uh, not Ryan Collins, who shared the other one. This is from Lancey Collins. And as far as I know, I don't believe there's any connection. Ryan and Lancey, let me know if there is. I, I, I don't know that there is. I don't believe so. Collins is a pretty common last name, but uh, uh, Lancey's one of the members of our Control All Achieve email discussion group, and she shares great things. And this was on her blog. I came across this. Bean, bean, bean. Let's pop this one open here and take a look at it. Now, I say bean, bean, bean a lot because my cat's name is bean, and he typically is getting into something he shouldn't. So I'm used to saying this phrase, but not for this purpose. So what is this website? So if you're familiar with a, a tool like Free Rice, uh, that's one of those. That's a website where you go and you answer trivia questions and, and knowledge questions and you know things like that. And as you as you answer these knowledge questions and you get the answers correct, they donate rice uh, to uh, to. Uh, places in, in in need around the country. Well, that's the same idea here. Bean, bean, bean uh, is a similar sort of approach, uh, but instead of rice, it's beans. <laughs> and you've got uh, five different categories, math, language, geography, science, and general knowledge for the categories here. And um, if you want to learn a little bit more before you jump in and play, there is a how it works button down at the bottom where they give a little bit more details about how this is all set up so you know exactly well where is the money going now again and also where's the money coming from you know if you're just solving problems and then food and beans are, are are getting donated to to those in need how's that happening okay so if you look at the how it works thing you'll find out first of all they're not actually donating beans that's just being used as a as a way to to picture what's happening here but as you solve questions right and you collect beans those virtual beans get converted into actual cash a cash value and that is donated to charity and if you're curious well what charities are they supporting well they're right here there there's the donation history of all the charities that are getting um, that are getting the, the the benefit of this money that is being raised. Now, where does the money come from? The money does come from advertisements, and so this is one of the few sites where I would say, you know what, this is one where you would turn off your ad blocker for a site like this because if the ad blocker is on and the the ads can't run, they can't actually collect any you know money from the advertisers, and so this is a completely advertiser funded uh, site. That's the way this person's been able to make this work. So I did when I came here, I went up to my, uh, I use uBlock Origin. So I just went up to my uBlock Origin extension and I just turned it off. No problem at all, easy enough to do. So for that particular site, uBlock knows don't worry about the ads, let those come through. Um, now, if that is a concern, totally understandable, but just want you guys to know that you, know, you could definitely use the site with the ad blocker on, just it would be more of a site that's going to help you review, um, you know, math, science, and, and so forth, but it's not going to be something that would then eventually turn into cash to be donated to these uh, to these charities. But let's say we want to try it out. So let's go ahead and head back here and we'll click on the play now button. And so what's going to happen is you can see across the top here are my different categories. We've got knowledge, We've got math, and inside of that, we can do multiplication, division, addition, subtraction. Uh, there's a language category here with English, Spanish, French, and ASL. There's a geography category with states and capitals from the U.S., as well as country capitals, and a science category with a periodic table and cell structures and cell functions. So 
basically that's the idea. Come on here and choose, for example, math multiplication. And I could just come in here, put in my answer, hit submit. And yay, I collected a bean, <laughs> you know. Uh, now these are pretty simple math problems, but there is a little adjuster here you can click to go from easy up to medium and then from medium up to hard. And so you can continue to adjust the level of these questions as you go. And again, I can pop over to other things like, you know, U.S. states, or I could go over to science with like the, you know, cell structures or cell functions or the periodic uh, table. Um, and uh, let's see, and then language again was uh, like English vocabulary, Spanish, French, and ASL. So if I were to go to English vocabulary, you know, feeble means what? Well, in this case, weak. And so there we would get a bean. Uh, the knowledge category is more about um, uh, what is this and who is this. So the who is this is going to show a person's picture, and you're just going to have to be able to you know say who that is. Not necessarily you know somebody from history, just a person. And the same thing with you know the what is this is simply just a picture, and you're identifying what that is. But anyway, that is the Bean 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 website. Thought that would be neat to get on your radar. Thanks again to Lancy for sharing that. Um, uh, Peggy asked if there's a time limit for answering the questions. Not that I have seen. No, it's just, you know, um, they just hang out there for you until you say, oh, that's a skateboard. You know, <laughs> this one's a piano. Those are pretty easy. I don't know what would happen if, oh, yeah, they do get a little tougher. Yeah, I guess if we go up to some of these harder ones, you know, as to what we're looking at here. Um, I, I, I dope it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't what it was. Okay, this looks like it's coral. Yes. Okay. Whew. I'm 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 back. I, I'm back. Um. Oh, they put me down to easy again. That's why I was having a hard harder time with some of these. Yeah, some of these uh, other ones are a little bit more. Um, a little bit more uh, difficult <laughs> as you start working your way up. If you scroll down, then you can see here that this is where you'll collect your beans. And once you get up to a certain amount of beans, then you can donate those. Uh, and uh, and that's it. So yeah, good, good stuff. Bean, bean, bean. Excellent, excellent, excellent. All right, fantastic. Uh, I see Peggy said, strictly recall questions, but it might be especially good for vocabulary development with ESL students. You know, I'm with you there, Peggy. Uh, that would make, because there's a lot of times where people are looking for, especially when you talk about ESL, folks are looking for things that are going to help somebody with ESL. And this could be somebody who is not a young child. It could be a middle schooler. It could be a high schooler. It could be an adult. And some of the things that might at first appear to be good for, you know, for ESL, um, our websites are maybe designed more for early learners, for early readers. And so it's nice to have a website that, you know, the content here would be something that you definitely could use with a middle schooler, a high schooler, an adult. And yes, it could certainly be helpful uh, for, for, for English language learners. That would be fantastic. Thanks for thanks for that suggestion. Parents as well. You got it. Love it. All right. Let's keep on going to our final uh, set of links from around the web before we take a look at the things that I shared uh, this week last week on my blog. So the last thing I'm sharing is a is a twofer. Um, I put both of these together, AI writing detectors. So it seems like every week or two, AI is popping up somewhere in my links of the week. This week is no different. Uh, so this week we're on the other end of the spectrum though. We've been talking a lot about the AI tools themselves, like using chat GPT to 
to do a lot of things to help summarize content or explain a concept at, at different levels or help you know develop an outline. But then last time we talked about uh, how schools can you know can respond to these AI tools and um, you know the maybe some restrictions we need to put in place or creative ways we can think about using it. Well, one of the things that comes out of that a lot of times is the question. Is there a way to detect if something was written by AI? So if you know ChatGPT is here to stay, you know, AI in general, and students, you know, may be using that, is there a way that we can check to see was it written by an AI or was something written by a person? This is kind of in its infancy. I think it's going to be a while before all of this gets ironed out, but at the moment there are two that got suggested to me uh, by Pete Guyon. So I want to give a shout out to Pete. Thanks so much, Pete. Uh, Pete's a great guy. I really appreciate uh, him sharing these. He sent me an email saying, hey, in case you hadn't seen these, because he had seen some of our discussion about AI, wanted to make sure that I was uh, aware of these. And I had not had a chance to dive in and try these. So I'm gonna open both of these up. So I'm gonna open up the GP2, GPT-2 output detector. We'll open that one up. And then we'll also put up the GPT-0. Now, this one takes a little bit longer to run, it seems. The, the first one, the output, the output detector opens up real quick. This other one, I, it just seems to take a little bit longer. I don't know if that means it's getting used a lot, if a lot of people are trying to access the site, um, or if it's just doing a lot more behind the scenes, but it tends to take a little bit more time for it to run. Now, in both of these cases, what you're going to get is a box where you can paste in your content, and then it's going to run some kind of a test. Now, between these two, the first one, the GPT-2, like I said, I think it's the more basic one. Um, it basically takes your text, and as long as there's 50 or more tokens, they call it, which is basically words, 50 or more words, you know, uh, it, that, that's enough. As long as it, the more it has, the better. But as long as it has about 50 words or more, it'll start giving you a uh, an evaluation at the bottom. So you've got real to fake. So the blue line is going to show real and the red will show fake. Now with the other one, uh, this one, you again are going to paste in information here and it recommends at least 10 sentences, um, you know, to get a good, a good feedback here. If, if you, I think you can go up to 5,000 characters, uh, but if you're underneath a certain amount, it'll say, hey, we probably aren't going to get a really good reading on this, whether it's AI generated or human generated. So let's try this out. Let's put something in these. Um, what I did was I actually went to chat GPT and I asked it the question. Uh, I said, is it possible to tell the difference between text that was written by a human and text that was generated by artificial intelligence? And so I'm going to take its response. I'm going to copy its response. And here it is. I'm going to paste that in there. This is what chat GPT said. So I'm going to put that into both of these here. And whoops, let me press. Uh, I don't know if it's running. Hold on. Let me get back to there. Control, enter. There we go. Now it's running. Uh, so let's see. Oh, okay. So this first one came back really fast and it came back and it said uh, its prediction was 99.95% fake. It was pretty sure on that. Now that is correct. This was a, this was a, this was something that I put in, you know, directly from chat GPT um, and it jumped right on it right away and said that that definitely looks fake. Where if we jump over to the other one here, 
Um, it does a little bit more. It's a little bit more in depth as far as what it is evaluating. It evaluates a couple of things. So the first thing it looks at is what's called perplexity. And the best way I could describe that is they, they, they say that's like the randomness of the text. That as, as humans, we shouldn't be terribly predictable. You know, there's going to be some randomness in what we write. And so it figures out the, the perplexity and the average perplexity of that text. Then it goes into what's called burstiness. <laughs> Don't you love learning these new words. Perplexity, we knew, but burstiness, that, that's one I haven't used much. Uh, this deals with non-common items showing up in random clusters, so burstiness. Um, and so it evaluates that. It then puts all of that together, and you can click here to get your result. And let's see what it thinks here. And it is saying it's pretty sure this was AI generated. And so it gives a, a score of confidence there that it was AI generated. So that looks kind of interesting, but it's only as valuable as it is if we, you know, try it the other ways as well and say, well, what if we put in actual text written by a person, you know, you know, and we try a bunch of things. So I spent like a whole afternoon just putting all kinds of things into this. And I think I would say I found chat GPT zero to be more reliable. The first one, the chat GPT-2 output detector, um, it seemed to be a little bit easier to fool it. So let me go ahead and refresh this one because what I did was I went back to chat GPT and I literally asked this question. I said, can you rewrite your previous response in a way that would seem more likely to have been written by a human and less likely to have been generated by artificial intelligence? I literally just said, rewrite what you did. And it said, sure, okay, here you go. <laughs> and so it rewrote it in a more human-like style, it said. So let's paste that in and let's see how it handles it now. And we'll do the same thing over here. Um, and I think I think the last time I checked, again, these things probably update every day as they are learning more and more things themselves. Um, but I think the last time I had checked, I was able to fool chat GPT-2, but not this uh, chat GPT-0. So we'll try it again. I will put in the newer version of it here. And let's go back over to this one. Oh, look at that. Still folded. There you go. So this was chat GPT-2, and it's saying 99.94% real. And this was absolutely AI generated. And it was because I said to ChatGPT, would you please rewrite this so that it's more human-like and doesn't appear to be AI? And so it did. <laughs> and so, I mean, this is going to be an arms race, of course, between the, you know, the AIs as, you know, the AI gets better at writing and then the AI detectors get better at figuring that out and back and forth and back and forth. If I jump over to the other one, uh, let's see, did it, um, did it still catch it? Let's take a look and see. It looks like the, the perplexity is a little bit higher on this one. So uh, we'll see. We'll see what it says. Sometimes it says it just needs more information, like it wasn't enough uh, information there. But we'll see. We'll see what this one pops up as a result. Oh, yeah, there it goes. More data may be needed. It wasn't sure. So that wasn't, and that's good. I'm glad that it says that. I'm glad that it doesn't just come out and say, you know, it was one way or the other. It says we need more samples. That's, that's not enough for me to be able to identify it. Now, I also did this with some of my own writing, and both of them did a good job of saying, yes, you are a human, which is always good to know <laughs> that, that I am, I've, I have failed enough CAPTCHA tests that sometimes I question my own humanity, but uh, <laughs> they, they did say that my writing uh, did show up as being human. So anyway, I'm not saying that these are 
tools that you as an educator should be pulling out and saying, hey, student, I ran your essay through this and it said it was fake, so you're in trouble. That's that's going to be an abuse of something like this. I think it's more a matter of this just being another tool in your tool chest of saying, okay, well, let's, if there's something I'm not sure about, this is a place to begin. We can start a conversation here. We can drop some selected text into these tools. Again, I felt like chat GPT zero was a little bit more uh, accurate than this. Other. And these are both free. So that's a whole other thing. There's paid ones that maybe are a lot more accurate, but I didn't want to spend any money. And so I'm just going with these free ones here. Um, but for right now, anyway, this would be something that at least could begin a conversation uh, on some text. So anyway, I'm going to pause there for a second. I saw some uh, activity in the chat. I want to make sure that uh, um, I'm catching all of that. Uh, so Peggy says, that's interesting. Of course, there would be a tool for detecting plagiarism. Yes, absolutely. Um, Peggy asks, how does it handle misspellings? My guess is it would probably look at misspellings favorably for a human. Like it would, it would hope like, you know, if there was, you know, because hopefully AI is going to be more predictable and is going to use proper grammar and proper spelling. So uh, Andy had a comment here. He said he tried ChatGPT0 with uh, my AI-created blog post a while back, and it seemed to work great. Uh, lots of high school English teachers are concerned. Yes. Uh, and I did. I ran that one through there as well. Yes, the blog post I did a while back on Control Alt Achieve, where I had uh, Chat GPT help me write my blog post. Um, it does show that up at. It does show as being um, uh, um, being AI generated as well. So it did a good job of catching that. Yeah. Excellent. Um, Eileen saying, Andy, I'm sure English teachers are worried. Now they have to check for AI and plagiarism. That's right. We're not just checking for plagiarism, but also for AI. Um, Peggy says it'd be fun to ask our students if they agree with their predictions. Yeah. I mean, that's a good discussion to have. You know, what how do you how do you figure out what is AI generated, what is human generated? I think in the end, uh it's probably going to be something that was always going to be a moving target. So I don't know that I would ever, I don't want to say never, but I am reluctant to say I would trust one of these tools for an ultimate answer. I think it could be a good conversation starter. It could be something to use as part of a process if you're trying to identify um, the writing and 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 if nothing else, even evaluating your own writing. If you put in your own writing and it's coming up as questionable, uh, that might indicate that, you know, you're not using enough variety in your writing, that it's a little too basic and a little too predictable there. Um, but my guess is, like I said, as these get more powerful, the AI will get more powerful as well. But wanted to make sure these were on your radar and can be part of that discussion as we're taking a look at how AI is going to affect education. Good stuff. All right. Well, guys, let's go ahead and move on to the second portion of our evening where we're going to talk about links um, from my blog and don't have a whole lot to share from the last week. Uh, just one main new thing, and that was a follow up to the photo words post that I did um, two weeks back. So this last week, I ended up following that up with a webinar, an advanced webinar. So if you had played around with the photo words things that I had done, um, I guess it was 
I guess it was only a week ago. It was last Monday, but it was in time for uh, our last uh, our last live stream because I had mentioned it there. If you played around with that, you know that what I had put together was a blog post that uh, had a 16-minute video to give you the basics of creating Google Slides photo words where you put a photo inside of text. Um, and that was awesome, but I knew that... Boy, that 16-minute video was just going to be the basics. And so I, I felt at that time that it would probably be helpful to do something longer if people wanted to go deeper. And so that's what the link is for this week. It's the uh, the follow-up, which was a webinar I did on Thursday, so last Thursday. Um, and it wound up being a 90-minute webinar. It was, it was pretty in-depth as we got into this, but that was the idea. We wanted to really go deep and look at how can you do some of the more advanced ones. And so the sort of things that we ended up doing. Um, here, I can pull my uh, pull my uh, folder over here. Let's see, what did we create? We created um, some of them where we ended up using two image. Well, we used the image twice. We used the image inside of the text, and then we used part of the image below it as well to create things like sunset. We also looked at things like putting in drop shadows and using background gradients and transparencies and things like that. So we did that one. We did one where we put in uh, different images. Uh, in this case, it was my name where I put a keyboard in most of my letters, but I put myself inside of the letter I. And again, we talked about, you know, drop shadows and different background colors and things like that as well. Um, what else did we do? We did some animations. We did one where we put an animated GIF behind the word fire to create that. And then we did another one where we showed another way of doing animations where you actually make multiple frames and each slide is a different frame and you move the picture in the background behind it as you go. And so you end up basically creating stop motion animation. So those were the, uh, the four examples that we ended up doing as part of that 90 minute webinar. A lot of people have been creating some really awesome stuff as a result of that. It's so neat to see everybody's creativity. So if you want to go a little bit deeper than the 16-minute video that gave the basics, I would definitely encourage you to check out the advanced webinar. Uh, it is 90 minutes long, but remember, you can always go in and adjust the speed on it if you want to speed through it a little bit quicker or, or can jump around and find the, uh, the section that uh, most interests you as we work through those four different examples uh, in that webinar. And Eileen says, thanks for making that available for those who could not attend. Absolutely. Yeah. Anything that I, anytime I make a video, if I'm, um, you know, uh, going to put something out on, 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 on YouTube or whatever, I certainly want to be able to record it so that people can watch it later because I, I totally get it. Schedules are difficult. It, it's, it's, it's can be hard to fit things in. And so uh, I'm, I'm happy to make that available for everybody. Good stuff. Other than that, the only other things I did, I did have some updates. Um, I had put a while back, I put a blog post on for my FETC sessions and my ISTE sessions, and both of those got a couple of updates. So I did go ahead and throw this back in. FETC is where I'm headed next uh, weekend. So I'll, I'll be at FETC in New Orleans next week. Um, but I did have a couple session adjustments. So if anybody is going to be at FETC, uh, definitely check out this link for the most recent and most accurate list of the sessions that I'm doing. Uh, the Meet the Author booth 
booth. We ended up moving to Thursday so that I could add in a Pear Deck session that I'll be doing. Uh, so I'm doing a whole lot of whole lot of googly things uh, there, uh, but I did add in this Pear Deck session where we're going to be talking about how to make gorgeous Google slideshows for your Pear Deck using uh, lots of free and uh, um, uh, public domain images and free design templates and uh, really cool fonts and things like that to make your Pear Decks uh, even more incomparable. Uh, so, uh, so just a, a little bit of a difference there, Move, moved a, a couple things around to be able to accommodate that. So um, if you're going to be at, Pear, at uh, FETC, I am looking forward to seeing you there. And then I did get a small update to my ISTE sessions as well. This is not going to be till the end of June with ISTE, um, but uh, I ended up having two more sessions that were approved um, off, off of the wait list. So now I have uh, six sessions at ISTE. And so I just did a quick update to make sure that all of those um, were uh, listed there accurately as well. So excited about that. And again, if you're going to any of these conferences, keep in mind, um, I have been trying to create sharing docs for these different conferences. And so at the bottom of both the ISTE one and at the bottom of the FETC post, I have a link to what I'm calling my sharing doc. And that is just a, uh, a Google doc where you can type in um, the fact that you're going to the conference so we know who's going to be there. You can also share what sessions you're going to be doing. You can ask questions. Uh, you can find mixers and meetups that are going on, um, attractions, restaurants, things to see and do, uh, lots of ways to support each other uh, for people that are going to those conferences. So definitely take advantage of those as well. And then the last thing I put on here is something happening this week, uh, which is our monthly GEG Ohio meeting, the Google Educator Group of Ohio, um, that this month is going to be January 18th. Normally, it's more toward the end of the month, but with FETC and some other things, it just wasn't going to work out this time. So we're doing it just a little bit early. So January 18th, this Thursday, um, we have a shared agenda doc, as always, for these GEG Ohio meetings. And you do not have to be an Ohioan to benefit from these. Anybody who is using Google tools in school is welcome to attend these. And it's just like what I do here uh, with this. It is a live stream, but I'm not alone. Uh, I typically have some other folks with me, whether it's Stephanie, John, Sarah, or a combination of those three. Uh, those are my co-leaders with GEG Ohio. And um, what we do is we run through everything new in Google from the last month or so. In this case, our last meeting was November. So we're going to go through everything in December and uh, at least half of January, all of the updates of the new things that Google has released. And then we do a show and tell section where we share cool resources we've come across. And there's a Q&A section as well where people can ask questions. So it's a uh, monthly, um, typically monthly uh, Google Educator Group meeting. So uh, definitely join us for that if you can. If you're not able to join live, of course, it's recorded and you can, you can uh, catch that as a recording as well. Well, I'm going to take a quick look and see if there's anything else we missed here. Uh, Peggy said, that's a lot of presentations. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be pretty busy at FETC, but it's a wonderful, uh, wonderful chance to get to connect with so many people. So I'm looking forward to it. Well, guys, thank you again, though, as always, for being here again, whether you were joining live or watching the recording or listening to the recording. I really appreciate it. And I would encourage you to stay connected uh, between now and 
the next time that we get together, all of my contact info again is at the top of that document, bit.ly slash CAA-live. Uh, we will not have, I do not believe, a live stream next week with the, the FATC uh, conference, but I'll see you guys again at January 30th for sure for the next one. Other than that, thanks so much, everybody. Have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your evening and a great start to the week. Take care, everybody.